We've got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by ElisaIlana.com. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, it started with the $50 church organ, and things have recently fast-tracked for Neil Soul, indie pop band, Fits in the Tantrums. Forming in 08, within two years, they had a record deal and were opening for Maroon 5. Since then, they've had multiple hit songs on the alternative rock and pop charts. Their album, More Than Just a Dream, and the current single, The Walker, has caught fire. And you can catch Fits in the Tantrums on their headlining tour Sunday, July 27th at Stir Concert Cove in Council Bluffs. Now, John Wicks, drummer for the band and also producer and songwriter, is here to throw some fits and tantrums into your weekend. John Wicks, now he's the drummer. Fits in the tantrums, unlike any other. Welcome to the show, John. Oh my God, you guys, this is the best. I haven't even started and you're already eclipsed any interview I've ever done in my entire life. This is so awesome. Oh, thank you for that, John. So Love to hear that. Okay. I'm sitting here in a cafe in Dallas right now laughing my ass off. And like, it's kind of a douchey cafe and so people are looking at me like, what the f***? And this lady just changed tables, I think, because I was <laughs> acting like a madman. <laughs> You're chasing people oh out of the cafe, John. Totally, man. I was like, I'm not blending in at all. Okay. <laughs> I've got a question to start things off. We hear you're a coffee connoisseur, so what's the coffee like at that cafe? This wonderful waitress just uh, served me my coffee, and it's incredible. Um, this is a place called Ascension, which I don't know why I'm worried about seeming douchey here because it's about as douchey as it gets, I think, a cafe called Ascension. But um, I'm here in Dallas, and what I've noticed is, like, from touring, as much as we, we never stopped touring, and what I've noticed is that the coffee culture has just really blown up, even in, in Dallas for a while. It was pretty dry here, but now okay. there's, like, several options. Pretty okay. great. Yeah. Now, your video for The Walker has been nominated for a Moon Man, so congratulations. That, I know. I wish I had something more to do with it. It was for editing, but right. I guess I can't really be that proud of it. Well, hey, it's nominated. Talk about the $50 church organ that Fitz picked up. Uh, <laughs> that story has uh, become legend, man. Uh, well, the short version is that Fitz broke up with a girl. It was a really not a pretty breakup at all. Okay. But randomly, she called him one day and said, hey, my neighbor threw this big church organ out on the front lawn. So he told him to uh, give him 50 bucks, and he, he hired some shady Russian movers to come and load it into his living room. And, and I think it will probably stay there uh, after for he's long gone from his house because the thing is so freaking huge that uh, there's no way... Um, I just like saying Fitz has a huge organ. So, anyways, um, I don't think it's ever going to uh, leave his house if it's taking up his whole living room. Okay, and I guess that was the organ that kind of started things off for you guys. And supposedly within a week of playing together, you guys played your first concert. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's actually really true. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I think Fitz had been in several bands around L.A. for a long time, and nothing really took or um, the fire. When that church organ entered his life, he just started riding with it and sort of found what he thought he was most comfortable doing and, and found his voice with that. And so okay. that sort of set the compass. And this is before I even knew Fitz or any of us really even knew Fitz. So by the time I met him, the, the compass had sort of been set musically. Okay. And that's the reason I got the call is that a mutual friend of ours, Dawes, their keyboard player, he knew that I had done work with Bruno Mars and with Kilo and stuff. Uh -huh. And so 
stylistically I would fit well with what Sid was trying to do. Okay. And so that's how I got the call originally. And yeah, we had one rehearsal and we played one song and Sid ran out into the hallway of the rehearsal stage there and, and booked our first gig at the Hotel Cafe in L.A. And that was the beginning of it. Okay. And uh, it just hasn't stopped since. Now, it looks like, you know, that there's really good chemistry and energy between the band members. Yeah. That's attributed to a few things. Okay. One, a lot of us knew each other previously okay. from playing sessions in L.A. and doing different gigs. But it's also that we were all professional players prior to being, and none of us wanted to be in a band at okay. all. Okay. So you had that in um, common. We were just all freelance guys. Okay. Uh-huh. But being in a band is a huge life investment, as you guys know. Right. It's tough, and we didn't really want to deal with that. It's Too bad I, I don't now. Know if that's not the right word. <laughs> it's less emotionally taxing right. when you're a hired gun. Sure. And so none of us really had any plans on being in a in a band at all. Okay. So so, so uh, what changed it? Well, what changed it is that it just got momentum so fast. Uh-huh. Right. It and did. before we knew it, we were on the road. You know, and and actually. We were opening for Maroon 5 literally two months after the first gig. Wow, um, that's incredible. Because, yeah, it's nuts. And he said reported a little EP and Adam Levine was having tattoos done one day when a tattoo artist was playing this little EP. And so Levine was like, who is this? He thought it was some band from the 60s or something. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, no, this is the band from L.A. You should go check him out. And so he came and, and heard us play at a little club and... And then we were out before we knew it. We were opening for them doing college shows. And that was just prior to him getting that gig on The Voice. Okay. Being a judge there. And then, which really revived Maroon 5's mm-hmm. career as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. John Wicks, drummer for Fits in the Tantrums here on the Mulberry Lane Show. In the middle of their headlining tour, John's giving you the scoop on Fits in the Tantrums. So now what makes a Fits in the Tantrums song? That's a really cool question. Um, and uh, I think the, the best way I can answer it is that it's sort of an old-school approach to songwriting in that the verses are just as strong as the choruses. Okay. I think a lot of songs that you hear on the radio today, they've got a really catchy little hook in the chorus, but then the verses are just kind of one-note melodies that are almost like almost rap, but yeah. there's no real melody line that you can follow mm-hmm. other than just a couple of notes. Yeah, I think the goal was to first melodies as strong as the choruses so that you have nothing but songs that you can't get out of your head. Not just one little hook, but the whole song. And, and also a story with the lyric, not just, you know, nonsensical lyrics that happen to rhyme. It was more, more storytelling. Okay, than, now than to that. get there... Did you play the songs live uh-huh. before you recorded them, or did you do it the other way? Where you work them out in the studio, record them, and then go play live? Um, we played them live prior to recording them. Okay. Um, in the first record, in the first record. Okay. The second record, it was sort Well, no, actually, we did. We played some of them live prior to recording them, but some of them were created in the studio. But we're kind of weird in our songwriting process in that we don't get together in a room and jam and try to come up with songs. We all go home to our respective home studios and write. And some of them are fully realized songs. Some of them are just little sketches. And then we bring them to the table in the studio. But we're not a typical band in that way in that we don't get in a room and just hash it out. Okay. And how do you capture the energy level in the recording studio? Do you record a certain way? or? Um, you know, 
I think that's also the benefit of playing them live before you go in the yeah. studio. Uh-huh. Is you sort of get the formula for how you're you're playing it live, and then you just go walk into the studio and just redo it. But you you because if you have the benefit of seeing how a crowd reacts to a song by playing a certain way, then you know, okay, that's the way to play it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, when you guys decided yeah. to have no guitars in the band, did people say you were crazy? Yeah. At that point? Um, yeah, there was a little bit of that. Actually, there was kind of some backlash about it. There were some people that were kind of even a little pissed about it. Okay. Especially guitar players. Sure. I think... <laughs> <laughs> but also, more than that, I think the, the sort of refreshing sort of change that people didn't realize they were listening to a song without guitars and uh-huh. they were trying to figure out what was different about it. I think unknowingly it was sort of a refreshing change. You know, we're not the only, there's a million like electronic acts out there doing stuff without guitars, so right. we weren't really groundbreaking in that way, but as far as bands go, there wasn't many bands doing that at that time. Yeah. So do you think the fact that none of yeah. you wanted to be in a band... Does that help uh, your camaraderie on the road? Do you think the road experience is better because you all kind of agree on that? No, I actually think it might hurt <laughs> because uh, because you still are still emotionally arriving that at heart just kind of a, a higher gun musician, you know, in your own mind, yeah. and you still have to remind yourself that you're in a band. Okay. Um, so I think it's a little tough because when times get rough. Uh-huh. Um, you want it to still be a temporary thing that you're not emotionally connected to. Right, so you're not you riding that the, option anymore. You have to ride the roller coaster with the ups and downs. It's hard to, you know, remove yourself you, from that. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of like a relationship where no one wants to commit. <laughs> All right. Man, that's the truth. Don't throw a fit. We'll be right back with John Wicks from Fits in the Tantrums. More to come. Keep it right here. It's the Mulberry Lane Show.